Part three, chapter one of the Speaking Voice Principles of Training Simplified and Condensed by Catherine Jewell Everts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part three Studies in the Vocal Interpretation of Literature. Chapter one The Law of Approach. We turn now to a series of studies in vocal interpretation based for convenience upon the analysis of various literary forms beginning with the essay and the fable passing through the lyric to the didactic poem through the short story to the epic poem and finally through the dramatic monologue to the play i have said that each of these forms makes its distinctive demand upon the voice of the interpreter before analysing the particular form to determine the nature of that demand let us consider the law of approach in entering upon the interpretation of any piece of literature regardless of its form let us consider the relation of the reader to his text and to his auditor what should be my aim in reading aloud to you should it not be to convey to your mind as simply clearly and convincingly as possible the thought of the author yes but i think the following statement of our relation is a little more comprehensive as an interpreter of literature in any form i must become a pure medium between the mind of the author and the mind of the auditor in a final analysis i the interpreter must be a pure medium between life and your soul I have said that the only excuse for the existence of a reader is that he should be an interpreter. I should have said an interpreter of life through literature. Let me illustrate. With a sense of protest, I had presented a play I loved to an audience with which I felt little sympathy. By chance there was in that audience one of our best teachers and critics after my recital i sought his criticism beginning as the true critic always should with a noting of some point of power he said i congratulate you upon your illumined moments but they are too infrequent you must multiply them what do you mean by my illumined moments i asked the moments when you do not get between your audience and the thought you are uttering the moments when you become a revealer of life to them your attitude toward your audience is not sustained in the simplicity and clearness of some of its moments you suddenly ring down the curtain in the middle of the scene that spoils the scene you know you seem to feel a revolt against the giving of your confidence to the audience and thereupon you immediately shut them away you become conscious of yourself and we the audience lose the vision and become conscious of you and the way you are reading or reciting or acting then he added adelaide neilson at first had illumined moments in her playing of juliet but finally her impersonation became one piece of illumination that delightful teacher reader and critic the late mr howard tickner suggested the same ideal in comparing a juliet of to-day with miss neilson's juliet when miss blank is on the balcony he said you hear all around you how lovely she looks isn't that robe 
dear, how beautiful her voice is. When Miss Nielsen lived that little minute, a breathless people prayed with Juliet, I would not for the world they found thee here, and sighed with Romeo, Oh, blessed, blessed night, I am afeard being in night all this is but a dream. Miss Nielsen was Juliet. They, the audience, lived with these lovers one hour of lyric rapture, and could never again be quite so commonplace in their attitude toward the deathless passion. They may not now remember Adelaide Nielsen, but they remember that story, and forever carry a new vision of life and love, because the actress lost herself in the life of the play. She did not exploit her personality and let it stand between the audience and the drama. That is it. If we would be artists, and there is not one among us who would not be an artist, we must cease to put our little selves in front of our messages. In the home, in the office, in the houses of our friends, in the schoolroom, on the platform, on the stage, let us be simple, natural, sincere. Let us lay aside our mannerisms. Let us seek to know and reveal life. Then shall we be remembered, not for a queer way of combing our hair, or lifting our eyes, or using our hands, or shrugging our shoulders, but for some revelation of truth or of beauty which we have brought to a community. When someone says to you, the reader or actress, I shall never forget the way you raised your eyebrow at that point, don't stop to reply, but fly to your study and read the lines at that point, over and over, with level brows, until you understand the meaning and can express the thought so effectively by a lift of your voice that you no longer need the help of your eyebrow. Every gesture, every tone, must call attention not to itself, but to the hidden meaning of the author. It must illumine the text of the character portrayed. Then, with this attitude, which can only be described as selfless, let us enter upon our interpretative study of special forms. I have said that each form makes its particular demand and appeal. If it is an essay that I am to read to you, the direct and fundamental appeal is to the mind, and the demand upon me, the reader, is for clear, concise thinking, revealed through unerring emphasis and definite, purposeful inflection. So read, it will inevitably persuade you to some readjustment of your ideas, your values, your discriminations, or it will strengthen you in convictions you already hold. If it is a fable that I am to interpret, the appeal is to the fancy. The demand upon my voice is for subtle lights and shades of tone, and a mastery of swift changes in inflection. If read as a fable should be read, it will leave you less serious in your attitude toward your neighbour's harmless foibles and less critical of his failings. If it is a short story, the demand upon me is for a sustained vitality of tone and temper. 
in order that i may carry you with unflagging interest through some new or old experience and show you how to meet or how not to meet certain crises in life if it is a lyric sonnet ballad psalm ode or elegy its fundamental appeal is to emotion and its demand upon me is for a mastery of tone-colour a sense of rhythm and the power to suggest a background of musical sound so read it will add to your power to forgive pity endure forbear understand and love if it is an epic poem concerned with the deeds of heroes and heroines its demand is for each and all of the qualities already noted and a right interpretation through a just use of these qualities will add to your courage and skill and foresight if it is a dramatic monologue a further demand is made upon me for character identification i must lend myself to the spirit of the speaker i must let him speak to you through me if i present the monologue in the right spirit you will understand a certain type of person better finally if it is a play that i am presenting i must identify myself not with one character but with several i must be so volatile in voice body and mind that the transition from character to character will not interrupt the movement of the play if i present a drama thus powerfully it will make you see more clearly the relations of men and events and give you a truer understanding of life in turning now to a particular study of the particular form we must assume that we have mastered the first steps in vocal training that our instruments are in tune and so ready for use and that we have acquired a more or less efficient vocal vocabulary we are now to use the tuned instrument and its acquired vocabulary in interpreting first the essay end of part three chapter one